Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What will Satan say to you in your marriage? He'll say you'll never make it. That's a lie. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Satan will lie this. As I talked earlier, the grass is greener. And you know when you get there, it is never greener. It is never better. The next marriage partner will be better in these areas, worse than this. Because we're imperfect. Satan will lie. He or she has hurt you, get even. That's a lie. One of the hard things about being a Christ follower is understanding that everything in every area of life is filled with spiritual battles. Satan hates all people, but especially those who have sided with Jesus. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that there's a spiritual component to marriage, too. You'll hear about the need for you and your spouse to become one spiritually, and if you don't, you're weakening your relationship. This weak area creates a breach that Satan will try to exploit to ruin your marriage. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. think Satan's only going to destroy us outside. No, he destroys us from the inside. Right in our own marriages. You say, well, Pastor Mark, there's spiritual warfare in marriage? Probably the number one place. Why? Because that's the foundation of our home and our society. And look at what's happened. So when you begin to understand this, would you just kind of write this down? And maybe we can't blame it all on Satan because it's our selfishness, but he knows it. Satan wants to destroy sexual intimacy inside the marriage. Not always porn and magazines and all the kind of stuff that we see on the internet. We've talked about that before. Those are dangers. But sometimes he just wants to do it. What is Paul saying? The longer a couple abstain from sex, the greater the risk one partner or both will fall into sexual immorality. So that Satan cannot tempt you because of what? The lack of self-control. Why is this important? What did we say at the beginning? God designed us to find sexual satisfaction, a gift that he's given us, where? Within the home. If it isn't happening, there's going to be a problem. Now, that's not an excuse to have an affair. That's not an excuse to go out and do something you shouldn't do morally. But Satan knows this. If we ignore God's design and God's commands... We're setting ourselves up for a fall. Even unwanted divorce. It happens because of this. Husbands and wives should lovingly fill each other's needs. 
Emotional, spiritual, sexual. Passion and marriage will last if there's mutual pleasure as our goal. Sexual intimacy should be celebrated. It should not be tolerated. That's going to change, but understand how that goes. So, write this down and it will remind you. Marriage is a battlefield, so keep God in charge. See, God's the head of the marriage. You're not the head of the marriage. The two of us become one under God. Jesus be the center of our marriage. Amen. That's what we're talking about. So, the enemy knows this, and he loves to come into the bedroom. Now, turn with me to Psalm 127, if you will. Unless the Lord builds the house, the marriage, its builders, the husband and wife, labor in vain. That's why we at this church take a biblical stance when we interview couples that want to get married. If both of them are Christians and they really get it and they understand what they're getting to, That's it. We move head. If one is and one isn't, we work with the other person to show them the need for them to have a relationship. We can't push that. They have to be ready. So we don't marry a believer and an unbeliever. The Bible tells us not to do that. This is why. Unless the Lord builds a house, the Lord isn't going to build the house with one. You'll see how that works after you come to Christ you got married. Two unbelievers get married. Later, one person becomes a believer. Now, what do you do? Now, let me show you the triangle to remind you what marriage is. You know it, but sometimes we forget it. God's the head of our marriage. And a husband and a wife, if they're going to be in relation to each other, they have to be in relation to God. And you know this, but the closer a husband and wife are to God, the shorter that line is between a husband and wife. And that's the developing maturity in a marriage. Now, that's never perfect, but that's our goal. Now, if you have someone, a husband or a wife, that really doesn't love God, and they're not there, their line from God is off the chart. And it's unbalanced. And that automatically affects the relationship with the spouse. Because they're not on the, we would call it, they're not on the same page at all. Now, that word vain means labor that produces no good. You can work on it all you want, but if God isn't the head, you'll never have the marriage God wants. So there's two ways to build a marriage. God's way or my way. My way will never work. God designed the family to work one way. But Satan today yells, screams to all kinds of men and women. You don't need God to build your marriage. You don't need God to help you build your family. Here's all you need to do. And he gives them worldly wisdom. Live together before you get married. See if it's going to work out. See if you're compatible. I don't have all the statistics because this isn't an in-depth teaching. But we know from actual fact that when couples live together before they get married, usually if they get married, that marriage doesn't last. Greater, greater, greater chance of that marriage dissolving. Well, God didn't design it that way. He designed it to be pure before you're married, and then go into marriage. And here's the second one. We'll talk again more next week. What's the enemy say today? If you're married, but you're unhappy, get out, because the grass is always greener. Now, all of us know the grass isn't ever greener. 
when you get out, you marry another person that's imperfect. Because all we have is imperfect people. Look to your neighbor and say, you're imperfect. Go ahead, tell them right now. Is that exciting? So who helps us with our imperfection? God. God. By the way, every couple are very different. I don't want to go through all the listings. We could go out of the room. You could tell me all the difference between your spouse. All of us would leave and we'd be discouraged. <laughs> or maybe be encouraged. Whew, don't have that many differences. That's good. But we're all different. And by the way, when you have children, are they the same or are they different? And they always marry somebody different. And God has a sense of humor. He just laughs. Because why? Because that's how we become like him. We have to learn to be patient with the indifferences. Now, look again. Unless the Lord builds, builds, builds the house. What does the word builds mean? It's ongoing. It's a process. It never ends. I was listening to a tape that Greg Laurie did about a year ago with Pastor Chuck. As you know, Pastor Chuck has passed on. I wrote a whole thing on uh, Facebook about it. Pastor Chuck, who's the head of the Calvary Chapels, has started it. And Kay married 63 years. Now, how do you stay married 63 years? Ongoing process. Always learning. Still learning. This year, my wife and I, 47. Still learning. Still learning. Got over lots of humps. Still learning. We're still selfish people. We're trying to sin less. Just like First John. He said, Pastor Mark, when you get 50, doesn't it just like everything's perfect? <laughs> I don't know. We're not there yet. <laughs> but I can tell you, no. Because I'm not perfect. That's the problem. So even with God's help, as I said, it takes a lot of continuing work. Of submitting of joining together, of communicating, and of loving. Loving my wife as God loved the church. My wife respecting me as I try to lead in that home. Now, how does that all work out? Here's the triangle that tells you. Just you, you write all three of these down. Marriage is God designed. Marriage is God directed. We're reading to you the directions. These are the directions. Many more, again, through the scripture. And last, it's not just designed and directed, it's empowered. God never gives us anything and asks us to do this without giving us the ability to do what he's asking us to do. Now, we think about that in ministry a lot, but marriage is the primary one. Whatever God asks us to do as a husband or a wife, God will empower us to do it. He didn't put us in this and go, okay, well, have a nice time. No, he's with us. He never leaves us. So all God needs is for us to understand those principles, be teachable, have a willing heart. Jesus said the number one reason for divorce is a hard heart. Now, if it means that God's directions for us are his words, what did we learn about God's commands? Are they... On a chalkboard? No, not at all. So write this down, would you? Understand, obeying God's word is good for us. If I obey God's word, and my spouse obeys God's word, we're a long way toward a happy marriage. Perfect? Never. Happy? Yes. Fulfilled? Yes. Trouble still? Yes. God's there. Grace. 
forgiveness. Lots of things that we have to work through. So don't think, well, man, that's like impossible. No, it's not impossible. It's exactly the way God designed it. Paul once wrote this, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So marriage gives us all a lot of opportunities to make changes in our lives. I have to be teachable my whole life. You do. Remember, if something changes, something changes. It's a good thing. Two perfect people building a life together with God in charge. Two perfect people. Now, those of you that have a spouse, husband or wife that isn't married, those of you that are single parents, you can still do it because you have a relationship with God. So what does God expect in our marriages? Well, we saw the three kinds of love. So I want you to kind of summarize it with this, then we're going to move on to a couple different areas. God expects ongoing sexual, spiritual, and relational intimacy in our marriages. All three. I just want all three. The relational is that communication. It's that friendship. It's that you love hanging together, making memories together. We were out with somebody recently, and while we were there, the individual said, I remember when you talked about this is like three years ago or four years ago. When you talked about in a marriage, make sure you're making memories. You said, God spoke to me, and we rearranged our life to start making memories. It's not too late for you to make memories. And that may simply be taking a walk on the beach, getting a coffee, stopping at a Starbucks or whatever, a couple times a month or whatever, just, just hang. My wife and I, Dave and Barb and others, they ride their bikes over the bridge and all that stuff. My wife and I just been walking the bridge out here, way out here, over here. And every day, every time we've done that, we see a porpoise. We've seen all kinds of live things. And it's just neat to see God's things as we do that. So make memories. Let me say something to you. Life is really short. It's really short. Make memories. And maybe this is kind of a seal of thing for you. I've got more. What practical steps do you need to take in those areas? Sexually, spiritually, and relationally. Sit with your spouse. Talk about it. Let her talk, and then you talk. Balance it. Be open. Be real. Be listening. Be sensitive. Now, by the way, God can fix any area if we're open. Now, this next statement Because sometimes when we look at this, we look pretty negative at it. You don't need to write this down. It's too long to write down. An ordinary man and an ordinary woman plus God equals an extraordinary marriage. Hallelujah. You see, we're not working on this alone. We have God. He can do greater than you can ever imagine in your life. Don't ever give up. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 7. Look at verse 6. Now, this is a interesting statement. Commentators differ. Paul says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. Paul makes a concession and commentators go like, well, what is he talking about? Some say that Paul doesn't command a couple to have periods of abstinence because some couples might go, oh, you won't preserve. Okay, we'll do this. We'll be spiritual. Paul says, no, that's not a command. God didn't give us a command not to deprive each other. Other commentators believe talking about the first five verses that we just read. That even though marriage is God's gift, Paul isn't saying, you must get married, you must get married. But realistically, I believe what Paul's saying is this, spirituality isn't related at all to marital status. See, these people, again, we're trying to say, if I'm going to really be a spiritual person, 
then I really shouldn't be married and, and I really can't enjoy the sex thing. It's just kind of something. It's, it's my duty. I got to do it. Paul said, no, 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 no. Now, watch what Paul says in verse 7. I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, what does Paul mean there? Every man has his own gift. Every woman has her own gift. A gift of marriage, gift of celibacy. That's the two gifts he's talking about. God gave them. Now, remember I talked about wives respect your husband? Husbands love your wife as God loved the church? Who wrote that? The Apostle Paul. Some people, when they look at this, say that Paul's against marriage. No, not at all. Paul wrote that in Ephesians, the whole chapter 5. Now, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried. As I am, circle that, we'll be back to it in a moment. But if they cannot control themselves, he's talking sexually, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul acknowledges, what, celibacy is a gift from God? Marriage is a gift from God. What does Paul mean, unmarried as I am? We really don't know. We'll never know until we get to heaven. Most people believe, most commentators believe, that, again, Paul was a religious Jewish ruler, so by nature, they had to get married. So either when he came to the Lord, had a salvation experience, his wife divorced him, we don't know, or she passed away. All we know at this point, Paul is not married. We'll never answer that question. doesn't really matter. He's just saying at this point in his life, why does Paul say this? You should remain as me. Because of this. Paul knew that he could focus on the things of God rather than focusing on family and the things of God, children and the things of God, two jobs, single parent and the things of God. He's just saying, for me, in the place where I'm at right now, I'm able, through God's strength, to do two things. Control my sexual desires. It's not a raging thing. God's helping me do that. Obviously, if he was married before, he enjoyed it before, but somehow God gave him this opportunity to do this. And number two, he was able to focus on the things that God wanted him to do. Easier for him. Who'd want to be married to Paul at this time? Every other town, he's in jail. He comes home beaten. How many times did you get killed this time, Paul? What a, I mean, pretty tough kind of thing. So what is the bottom line Paul saying there? Don't take Paul as a person that's against marriage. Paul is simply saying this to singles and widows. If your gift is to get married, get married. Get remarried. If it's not, then you can stay single. So look at verse 10. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate. From her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. I have more to say, but I wanted to read that because that's going to lead us into some statements. But I want to go, I want to give you four things to end, and then we'll pick up this divorce dilemma that we face in our world. Even though there's differences in our marriage, even though there's unfulfilled expectations, here's four principles I want to give you for a happy marriage. So you can communicate with your spouse. Those of you that are single and thinking of getting married, maybe those of you that are, your spouse has passed on and you're thinking of getting married, here's four things. Let's write them down. Number one, commitment was required and it's always possible. Love is not an emotion. It's a commitment. 
to stay married, it's going to require a commitment. It's not a feeling. It's a commitment. Emotions change like crazy. I've always said this. People fall in love. People fall out of bed. I hear this all the time. Why are you getting divorced? Well, I fell out of love. No, you fall out of bed. You make a commitment to your marriage. Is that better? Okay. It's a commitment. By the way, marriage, Malachi, is absolutely a covenant. It's not a contract. Here's divorce. Forget it. Number two, listen to God's truth and not to Satan's lies. Pretty much everything we watch, our movies, our television programs, are all infused with the enemy's agenda. Have as many sexual partners as you want before marriage. Have some affairs afterward. Doesn't matter how many divorces you have. It's interesting because our our movies relate to the people that we say are great actors and actresses. They're all miserable, by and large. And yet we highlight them and we watch their things. Notice, what will Satan say to you in your marriage? He'll say you'll never make it. That's a lie. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Satan will lie this. As I talked earlier, the grass is greener. And you know when you get there, it is never greener. It is never better. The next marriage partner will be better in these areas, worse than this. Because we're imperfect. Satan will lie. He or she has hurt you. Get even. That's a lie. That brings us to number three. If you're going to have a happy marriage, you have to learn to live in forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Remember, I talked to you earlier, a hard heart comes from unforgiveness. That's the next step to divorce. It just gets harder and harder. Don't do that. We have to learn to live in forgiveness. You cannot live with unresolved hurts. You have to humble yourself. If that's happening in your marriage, just get together. Husband, you're the leader. Come on, step up. Get in there and get a result. And number four, pray together on a routine basis. That doesn't mean you have to pray every single morning for an hour together. And then I basically do our devotions separate. But we talk. I just said to her today when she came home, how was your Bible study? And she was talking about that they did something that she normally doesn't do. She took time at the end, and they all just prayed, and... God's spirit was there and it was just a wonderful thing as they prayed together and met needs and cried and wept over different people. So we do communicate. But guys, praying together keeps our hearts soft. It's kind of hard to be angry at the person and then hold each other and pray together. It's kind of difficult to do that. If it isn't difficult, you need to come and see us because you need to get saved. Today, Pastor Mark reminded you that Satan hates you. He doesn't want to do anything to you except ruin everything about your life. God, on the other hand, wants you to have the life he's always intended for you. Pastor Mark reminded you that God gives you the strength to do the things he asks you to do. You learned that an ordinary man and an ordinary woman plus God equals an extraordinary marriage. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching on the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Next time, he'll begin teaching from the second half of this chapter, where the Apostle Paul talks about marriage and divorce. You'll find out about the difference between a contract and a covenant, and why marriage should never be considered a contract. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.